Hey Google, how do I get ripped? I'm sorry, I don't understand your query. Do you mean ripping paper? Um, no, I mean, how do I get ripped for the summer? I'm sorry, ripped was used back in 2013. Do you mean to say shredded? For fuck's sake, Google, I mean, how do I get the body of my dreams? Okay, here's how you get the body of my dreams. Step one, stop eating. Step two, consume only O2. Step three, go to the gym every day. Step four, rinse and repeat. I literally don't understand any of that. That doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry I wasn't clear. I'm only working off the misinformation from the internet. Maybe you'd like to search through the following hashtags to be equally confused. Hashtag fitness. Hashtag get fit. Hashtag abs. Hashtag lemon water diet. Hashtag acai Hashtag whey protein. Hashtag clean eating. Hashtag crossfit. Rinse and repeat. Hashtag fitness. Hashtag get fit. Hashtag, hashtag abs. Hashtag chicken and broccoli. Hashtag, hashtag organic. Hashtag lemon hashtag water diet. Vegan. Hashtag rinse and repeat. Perfect. What now? What now? Welcome back, everybody, to our podcast. We're so happy to have you listening in to us again today. My name is Alyssa. And I'm Ken. And our podcast, What Now, is finally back to talk to you guys about the problems and issues that school never prepared us for. And what no, are we they talking about? No, they didn't. They didn't do a very good job of that. <laughs> and uh, what, are we, uh, what are we talking about today, Alyssa? Today, we are discussing the wonderful world of fitness and the true realities behind what we're all aspiring to through social media, the different physics and abilities that apparently school didn't prepare us for these things. No. And without further ado, we'd like to get straight into introducing our guest speaker, Simon Duffel, who is a personal trainer for Fitness First, who's had many good years of experience in this industry and was here to share his insights into the world of fitness. Alrighty, let's roll. So, um, Simon, thank you very much for joining us today to talk about fitness because you are definitely the expert in this field. How have you been going? I'm, I'm well, thanks, Ken. Um, thanks for having me on the, uh, on the show. I, uh, I appreciate it. Well, we're very appreciative to have you here, we especially are. as a Kiwi representative. <laughs> yes, we absolutely are. And we're very excited to get speaking about the fitness industry because I think both Ken and I as well, you know, we're, we are into our fitness as well. I don't think it's been a easy journey though for the both of us. I don't think anyone's fitness journey is ever easy, but we also sort of want to go into a bit more detail as well and hear about more from your background too and sort of why you got into the industry and also just how back in school, you know, we were never taught about fitness journeys or how to actually, you know, get the body of our dreams or how that actually relates to our mindset as well in, in some phases too. And, you know, how social media portrays people in a certain way that might not necessarily be portraying themselves in truth as well. Yeah, and to start this off, Simon, could you tell us a little bit about your background in fitness? So I've been a personal trainer for um, for about 10 years, um, mm -hmm. and I guess this job was just kind of came, came naturally to me. Um, yeah, it's something that I've always been passionate about, and I've, you know, I played a lot of sports when I was 
uh, young. So I guess it was uh, just a bit of an evolution for me to head in this direction. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you get into the fitness industry and actually become a personal trainer? Uh, I think I basically didn't want to go into the nine to five sort of job. Um, something that was too traditional where I was kind of restricted and, um, I wanted some freedom basically. Yeah. I wasn't willing to grind out 40 years behind the desk. Yeah. Yes. I I think I'm beginning to feel that way myself, but anyway, um, yeah. And I think also it's one of those things where if you are genuinely passionate about helping others, it definitely would suit your personality too. Have you been someone who has continued to keep fitness within their life since leaving school? Uh, yeah, definitely. I played a lot of sport when I was younger, so I was always um, very, I guess, in that kind of scene. And then when I left um, school, I, I got a taste of, I guess, a bit of freedom, and I, and I, I uh, took that with uh, open arms and probably mm-hmm. didn't do too much for about three years when I left school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always found that health and fitness kind of crept back into my life. I just realized that it made me feel better, basically. You know, going back to what Alyssa was just saying a second ago, when we're looking at a lot of people around us who are obviously on a similar journey within their own fitness pursuits, and obviously when we're looking for inspiration from say, Instagram models, from magazines, we tend to do a lot of comparisons between us and who we're looking at. That can create a few interesting dilemmas for a lot of us. I mean, Alyssa, you were saying before that some of these people portray themselves maybe not correctly. What would be some of the the issues of this in your experience, Alyssa? Oh, you know, for example, there's especially young females. It's been an absolute, you know, it, it destroys some of some young females' self-confidence because they're looking at photos of these models on Instagram that they think are completely real. But I've spoken to, I've literally spoken to girls who have admitted to actually photoshopping their bodies or flattening out their stomachs or making their nose smaller or, you know, covering up pimples, those kinds of things. I've spoken to females where they've admitted to doing that. So I think it does not portray this positive light because especially for young girls, they're looking at these people going, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. I want to look like that person. When in reality, this person doesn't actually exist because half of what they've put in the photo is actually false and you know it's misleading and instead i think for example especially with fitness professionals and models within that industry too on instagram i personally really look up to the people that are showing off their physique for their strength and sort of showing their journey and like the rawness and the challenges behind their journey like that really inspires me rather than following models that just it's all it's all just you know half lingerie photos or of course they've got beautiful physiques and they've obviously worked hard for their physiques but I personally love following people where you can see the challenge and they open up and you know they open up in their Instagram stories what's sort of your take on that Simon do you see that a lot through social media too and think that that's a problem oh definitely you know it's um there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there and you know even when you get to that so-called ideal 
physique, whether it be a man or a woman, there's a direct correlation between how good you apparently look and how you feel. So if you are um, fairly lean and, you know, pretty hungry, you're also pretty miserable. Um, I think a lot of people that don't understand the industry kind of see that smiling person who's probably not smiled for about six months um, <laughs> put on a, a, t- a two a two second smile and um think wow i just want to be like that because um doesn't he or she have this amazing physique and they look so happy but you, you're really not happy once you're down to body fat levels yeah. that are you know say for a man under about 10 and for a woman under about 20 you're pretty hungry it's not realistic in, in this day and age. If you want to enjoy your life, if you, you know, like life's too short, in my opinion, to be restricting calories for years on end. It's just, it's just not really what the whole thing is about in the first place. In fact, it's funny you should say that because in my journey, I definitely was someone who, through the whole calorie restriction phase, I've done a lot of different things in my pursuit to try and get leaner too. And I have to say, it's one of those things where. I think as an impressionable young man getting into this space, you almost would like there to be a silver bullet to just make this process a lot easier and to get to where everyone who you are inspired by is where they're at. But the more you do this, the more you realize over a longer period of time that you're not just building a body, but you're actually building a routine. You're building a discipline. And these things just come along very, very slowly, but it's a more rewarding pace because at least I feel like you sustain what you have for longer and you're much happier about where you're at, which I think Simon, based on what, you know, what we do together, like you always say to me that it's always about being in balance and you strike me as someone who's not only achieved a very good physique for themselves, but also teaches your clients that it's about making sure you're very happy within themselves as well. Yeah, um, definitely. It is, it is about balance. You know, uh, if you go too far in any direction, for you know, I guess for most things in life, it, it becomes fairly uneven, and um, I think it's very easy to uh, to go too far one way or another. As humans, I think we tend to um, exaggerate or be extremists. Probably the hardest thing that you can achieve when you talk about whether it be how many times you go to the gym, or or whether it's food, or sleep, yeah. or anything really. It's all about trying to find that middle ground where you're able to continue. And I think that it is hard for a lot of people. I mean, I definitely struggled back in the day as well. I think turning something into habit and turning something into routine isn't just an overnight thing. Like it, it takes mm. years. I, I, really, I genuinely think it takes years to actually to get things really into good routine and good habit. And I think this just comes from our society. You know, growing up, we have been brought up um, with this whole instant gratification, you know, we're a, we're a generation that we want that instant gratification and that immediate look like, you know, oh, awesome, we've got this, there's a, you know, six-week booty challenge, like, let's do this six-week booty challenge and, like, I'm going to look amazing, I'm not. I'm going to starve myself half the time, you know, and then I'm going to be, like, a fitness model at the end of it. And they, you know, some people do that. And at the end of the six weeks, they look freaking amazing and they probably half starved themselves. And, but then obviously then, yeah, a week later, they've put on all of the weight back and they've become depressed. And have you ever seen that happen with any of your clients? They want that instant gratification. So they're asking you like, all right, Simon, like, I just want, like, I want amazing body. Like, what do I do? Like, get me there within 
this amount of time? Like how, how, what's sort of like your advice? Um, I, yeah, it's a good question. I try to, I try to rationalize with them, I guess, and explain the big picture. But at the end of the day, I also understand that people will go and do what they want, regardless of what you say, for the most part, the way, the best way that you learn is to make mistakes. And it does get quite hard when the mistake kind of keeps being made, mainly because you feel so bad for that person, because you know what um, they're going to go through uh, time and again, whether it be a lemon detox diet or a raw vegan or or whatever it is, you know, (laughs) you know, and when my clients are in that kind of phase, I understand they're inspired and they're excited. I just, yeah, you just got to tread carefully and get ready to pick the pieces up at the end of it, because you know, that's what happens at the end, they're going to kind of fall apart, have a rebound, feel a bit flat and then carry on their journey, you know? Yeah. Maybe we've answered this already, but why do you think people are just so interested to look so good? Oh, it's, you know, it's social pressures, I guess. And I mean, I come from a time when, when I was in my early twenties, the internet wasn't really a big thing. And so I probably didn't experience it in the same way that people in their say twenties do now. I mean, it's everywhere. If you've got an Instagram account, you just have to and follow some people and you're going to get bombarded with unreal expectations or you know uh, I think that's a big part of it I mean then there's advertising and you know we know that fear sells so um, there's all Mm. those kind of reasons as well and then there's social reasons you know and I think especially it's probably amongst males as well but especially amongst females about wanting to look a certain way and you know what what the um, media says you should be um, doing or how you should be looking is a huge problem yeah absolutely I, th- I think that also comes into play with like right now our generation and our society is moving towards that healthy lifestyle and you know hashtag fitspo and even for the last probably five years it's probably we're getting into more of that everyone wants to be healthy like it's really cool to be healthy even for example competing in bodybuilding competitions and being i guess at that next level fitness it's becoming more popular and more cool so do you think that it will keep trending this way yeah that the whole thing about um the general population getting into you know more specific bodybuilding competitions that's just a breeding ground for eating disorders to be honest it's like um the way i see it is a lot of people enter those competitions with the best intentions but really it's kind of hiding uh, a bigger problem you know and they and you get to justify it by saying i'm going into a competition when really it's about a, an eating problem that you've got so that's becoming huge and and it's happening a lot i'm not sure about trends i, I wish i did know all the trends um yeah. <laughs> I, could keep ahead of, I could keep ahead of the game but, uh, but seriously um i think it isn't going away anytime soon just because of our fascination with um this you know we just we need to be perfect. It just seems like whether yeah. it's a weight thing or a look or whether it's Botox or steroids or whatever, it's just this whole insecurity around our appearance, which just seems to be growing much mm. to the um, marketer's delight. Teehee, thank God I'm in marketing. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to cut in and say, we will obviously talk about some of those other roads to Rome in a minute, but <laughs> it's really interesting that you were mentioning trends though before, because I've noticed amongst my peers that there is a real, I suppose it's becoming really vogue to be in look and it doesn't get any easier when on social media we're talking about getting shredded for summer and we're living in a location where 
we're by the beach. Now, I've been to many places where you don't have that access to the water next to you, and it makes a humongous difference in the yeah. way people look and feel. And I've noticed that when I was recently in Europe, it's just so transitional, like the way people react and think as well as the way they look depending on where they're located. And I think that's also heavily influenced by the marketing as well. For someone like me, I just took like look at that and go, that is a great opportunity to just talk about all the trends and to talk about how we can link these seasonally together, which doesn't really do very well for a lot of these anxious minds who are really setting themselves up with ludicrous expectations and then they don't get you know the results that they're truly happy with or they might but then as you said the bottom falls out and they've got to deal with the aftermath of that too which is usually five to ten kilos heavier than they were before which is not really a sustainable win so it can be tricky i guess when we're looking at this entire I suppose, comparison, you know, when we're window shopping, looking at different people, you know, wanting all of that. Simon, what do you think would be better than this unhealthy culture of comparison? Like, what would you tell your clients? Well, I think the best way to do it is to be improving on yourself. If you, if you, because, you know, you are the, the thing you are trying to, well, that you are working on. So you want to compare yourself to yourself, not really to anybody else. Um, I think that, brings a more self-esteem and um, I think it's also realistic. Do you know what I mean? If you try and improve daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and, and you do so, then you're heading in the right direction. You know, um, I think we all suffer from comparing ourselves to others um, in some way, shape or form. But um, I think for the most part, just stick to you and, and try and work out what's going on in your mind. Um, and cause that will directly um, relate to how you appear. Are you a part-time psychologist? <laughs> <laughs> I think social worker or, or something of that sort of description, yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a general do-gooder, aren't you? I love what, you know, you say about this with relating it also back to what's going on inside ourselves and inside our mind because, you know, our mind, it essentially, it can limit us but it also can set us free at the same time, depending on how your mindset works and how, you know, you sort of train your mindset. You know, for example, modern mindset shifting techniques have helped people cope with, you know, things from like addiction, depression, anxiety, and other crippling conditions. And when people, for example, with personal training or fitness, if they're not in the correct shape that they want to be doing or want to be looking and they're getting sick all the time and they're getting run down and they're not where they want to be fitness-wise or strength-wise, it's never necessarily their diet that they're looking at either. So even when people are getting sick, when they go to the doctors and go get antibiotics, the doctors are never asking them what, oh, well, okay, you're sick. So what's your diet like? Are you doing exercise? Like, it's, it's just, okay, here's some antibiotics. So have you sort of ever experienced, I guess, any clients maybe that are not seeing the results that they want to be seeing, even if they are going to the gym between five to seven times a week? And it might actually be that their diet that is not correct. So that would be the case for probably 80% of the population in the gym, I would say. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, wow, that's a big problem. Yeah, you the, the saying that you can't, it's a pretty old saying, but you can't out-train a bad diet is, uh, is very true. And I've tried it myself and failed every time. I have also tried time, that. So. 
How bad? Um, How fucking yeah, so, annoying, though, that that doesn't work. Like, that's just shit. Come on. I know. You would think, <laughs> you know, you'd think that the human body would adapt after a holiday or two, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, basically the, the food is the fuel, isn't it? And it just um, is so important to the point where you're honestly better off eating really well and not going to the gym than going to the gym and eating terribly. Wow. So, so, so I guess... So how much of this balance then comes back to mindset, in your opinion? I guess, yeah, when the mind isn't balanced, then everything's going to go crazy. So it all starts to begin with your thoughts, um, whatever it is, whether it's exercise or food. So if your mind is not, I guess, stable and you're not feeling good, then you're uh, way, way, way more likely to make um, some not so good choices. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I've definitely felt in the past that when I have been training regularly and I'm not in a good headspace, I definitely feel like I don't look as good as I normally would if I was in a much happier environment. And it's interesting because it can be just even a subtle shift in stress in whether or not there's something going wrong with family or work. And that not only throws my internal sense of self out of whack, but also my eating as well. And I think for me, I just feel like going to the gym is probably my way of like at least feeling like I'm doing something right to keep everything from just all going, like just burning everything that I've done. So at least in my experience, all I can say is that, yeah, mindset can definitely play funny games on you when you're training. But it's, yeah, it's very good to have that in check if you're going to be in this particular field, that's for sure. Simon, you've obviously been doing weightlifting for a long time. Why do you personally like this form of exercise versus other forms like, say, meditation, yoga or CrossFit? Oh, I guess, you know, the the yoga and the meditation are sort of the, the, the opposite to the CrossFit or, or the lifting of heavy weights. But um, I like the gym. I mean, I never walked into the gym until I was 31. But um, I found, I don't know, I just naturally, I just enjoyed the, the, I don't know if it's adrenaline or what it is, but you definitely get, um, I guess it's um, dopamine or, or some kind of good feeling that you get after you've finished weights. And I think that was always the hook for me. I felt really good and positive and ready to take the day on once I'd um, moved some weights. Yeah. Love a good weightlifting session. Yeah. I love a good dopamine hit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think even like bringing back to weightlifting and how how Ken just mentioned as well, like different types of fitness paths and, and physical exercises like yoga and meditation too. I think it's really important as well for people to find what suits them best as well. I know that I have friends that, you know, hate the gym. Like they've always hated the gym. They, they can't stand it yet they but they go to dancing like they they do dance classes so i think it's always it's just important to find what suits you best and you don't necessarily need to like you said as well if you're eating healthy you don't really need to go to the gym as long as you're doing you know even if it's a walk a day or yeah maybe it's dancing or whatever sort of suits you i think it's always important for to find the right pathway that best fits a person's lifestyle as well absolutely and um uh, you know a bit of both if you just you know, too much of any of the one things can create problems. And, um, you know, uh, I guess if I'm to generalize, if you think about that whole gym head thing, a lot of the um, professional sports people are finding out 
that um, the yoga and the Pilates is like a huge part of their um, training regime now. Yeah. You know, um, it's great, but yeah. Have you found that if your clients enjoy doing an exercise, even if they maybe weren't naturally good at it, that they end up getting better results overall? Like, for example, if I was maybe not naturally good at rowing, but I really enjoyed it versus being on the treadmill, I would get better results out of doing the thing I enjoyed versus the thing that I didn't enjoy, even if I might have been good at it. I think that's the number one factor really is the enjoyment you, uh, with anything. If you're, if you're not enjoying what it is you're doing, you're not going to do it for very long. If they're not as good at it, if they're enjoying it, they will definitely get the most out of it. And there's only so much willpower you have before you eventually just burn out and go, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, exactly. And the fun things that we like to do are easier to continue to do. So they're, they're great things for people <coughs> to do, especially if you're not particularly that keen on exercise in general. Um, if you're doing, if you can find things that you really uh, love to do, then you should really embrace those things. I think one of the biggest things too, I guess going back to creating a habit and creating that discipline and that motivation. For example, I, I go to the gym a lot. I go to the gym probably six days a week because I love it and I find it really easy to go. I find it easy to just get up and go. But I have like some like some friends, they always say like, oh my God, like how the hell do you go every day? Or how do you get the motivation to go to the gym or whatever that is? And I always just say, well, I love it. Like it's not a chore for me. It's actually a type of meditation for me. It relaxes me. It's my me time. And with motivation and discipline, it's sort of like working a muscle. Like, you know, when you're growing your muscle, you have to keep working at it and keep growing at it and starting small and doing day-to-day steps to grow that muscle. And I think that's exactly the same thing with creating a habit is, is doing like a little bit every single day to form that discipline and form that motivation. What are some of your tips on staying consistent or, or motivated or creating those small steps so if you're somebody that doesn't like to uh, particularly exercise in uh, exercising when it suits you is definitely the best thing. You know, if you, if you find out that you, you're better at exercising after work, then definitely don't be trying to exercise before work. Yeah. Um, you know, do it afterwards because you know you enjoy it then and that's more likely to keep you going. Yeah, um, sure. I think if you can keep going for 12 weeks, I think you'll start seeing results. And once you start, seeing results i feel like that forms a hook and that can keep consistency going i mean for some people like um Alyssa, like you said you you find that consistency very um very easy because you love it but you know and for other people it can be um quite a challenge just to keep the consistency going they always find something that's you know tends to knock them off their uh, track a little bit Mind mm. you, I'm definitely not perfect. I find it easy going to the gym and working out, but I definitely slack from my nutrition every now and then. So sometimes food for me, yeah, the food for me, that's my challenging part. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we're not here to talk about nutrition, but, I'm gonna, but I am going to say something, which is to say that I reckon a lot of people when they go on this journey do not realise how damn hard the food is they just think that it's the motivation to go to the gym no it's the motivation to not have a burger every morning i when i wake up <laughs> so and another thing that i mentioned that is probably the key to success i guess if i had to put it into one word i'd say why so finding out why you're doing it 
whatever yeah. that reason is to mm-hmm. to whoever it could be to get um fit to run a marathon it could be because you've got blooming emphysema and you want to stop smoking it could be to get fitter for your children so that you're there in 20 years yeah. time um you know and if you're really really overweight but that why when you know it's a rainy tuesday morning in the middle of winter and you really don't want to move it's that why that'll keep you um that'll get you out of bed at, at really because um those superficial things won't Okay, so I've got a question for you. I've heard a lot of my peers, guys, who've said, I want to get big because I want to attract a significant other. Do you think that's a superficial reason for going to the gym? <laughs> uh, yeah, not really. Not really, I guess. If that's, if that's, it if works, that's it wire, works. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> you know, um, if that's your reason to do it and that for you is so important, um, then I guess it'll work at least on the short term. Yeah, I agree. It would definitely work in the short term. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's interesting because I feel like biologically speaking, we are obviously drawn as animals to things that do look very good because when we're looking back to when we were apes, we were looking for, you know, a prime partner to be with and the ones that stand out are the ones that catch our eyes. But in the world of human beings, obviously there's a lot more to that than just how you look. But a good first impression is always preferable rather than looking a bit you know, undesirable. Isn't it, um, was it, was it you, Ken? Or I don't know, someone said one time oh, on our, analogy. maybe, yeah, like your, it is actually scientifically proven that, you know, attractive people are more likely to be trusted. No, it's that more attractive people are more likely to get better results. And they did a study where schoolboys, the better looking ones ended up getting better grades. Interesting. Very mm. interesting. So why do you think people choose things like steroids or supplements that, you know, have been marketed as being a silver bullet to their, all their fitness problems and achieving the dreams of looking good? I think um, initially it's probably, I think what you touched on before, like, you know, you talk about the silver bullet and maybe the beginning of your journey, you might, might be a bit naive as to um, what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I think people do it maybe from pressure also to look like these Instagram people who, and you know, plenty of them are using steroids. Yeah, it's just, it's such a, um, it's, it's grown so much in the last five or 10 years. And, um, yeah, it's, I guess it's peer pressure, which is the main reason why people do it. If they've got a mate that's just, you know, exploded in two weeks, then um, I guess they're more likely to to want to uh, join them in that quest. Because we all want to look like someone who's exploded. <laughs> but I actually like, um, I, had a, I had a guy I was dating at one time and he actually admitted that to me. Like he's, he like- He admitted he exploded. <laughs> That's what she said. God <laughs> um, No, 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 he actually, he- We <laughs> do 13 plus guys, come on. Um, <laughs> no, he had admitted to doing steroids and I asked him like, why, what made you want to do that? And he literally just said, oh, because all, all the guys at gym are doing it. Like that was his response. Oh, because yeah. all, all my mates and are doing it. So that's why. It's a problem because those, it sounds like the people, uh, often the people, take, you know, some experienced people 
have been taken for years and they know what they're doing. I'm not saying it's good, but it's definitely better than the kind of people that do them just because their mates are. They usually don't have any idea of the um, consequences of them, which are they're quite severe. And working in a gym environment, I get to see um, the the worst of it. You know. Yeah. Well. Mm. I suppose the other alternative to exploding is just to you know get a big wallet, go to a surgeon, and say. I want to look like this person right here and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, that's pretty popular these days as well. Oh yeah. my gosh. If you've got time, type into Google, like surgery's gone wrong, like plastic surgery's <laughs> gone wrong. Oh no. <laughs> right. There's some right. terrible things on the internet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just have a spew bag ready. <laughs> I'll get my back ready the next time I hit the gym and I see that in action. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing this background to obviously the reason why we exist. For us growing up in high school, I can't talk about your experience, Alyssa, but I can tell you now I did not enjoy PE and I certainly didn't find a passion for sport and physical education until I moved overseas and liked the idea of just running by a couple of temples every morning. What was your experience like at PE? My personal experience at PE in school was... I enjoyed parts of it, but also hated other parts of it. So um, I actually have a, I've got a funny story. I've always played sport. I've always been a sporty person, but I hated like footy and I hated hockey and I didn't like some of those sports. I didn't, I liked, you know, netball and volleyball and softball and all those kinds of sports. <laughs> always hated running. I also didn't have a love for swimming. I would try and get out of swimming because I hated swimming for one and I didn't like being in a one piece in front of all of my classmates and just always felt uncomfortable. So I would try to get out of swimming and there'd be days where I just wouldn't go to school and I'd just pretend I was sick and just to get out of swimming. And then obviously there were other days where I would go to school and had have swim class, but I would get my mum to, to write a letter to the teacher saying that like it was my time of the month. And um, when it, like there were, there were some weeks where it was, but then I would keep telling my mum to write more letters <laughs> to say that it was my time of the month because I, I wanted to get out of swimming. And I had a male PE teacher at that time and I was giving him all of these notes. Like literally, like, like literally every, I'm not even joking, I think it was maybe like four weeks in a row where I was like, I can't swim because it's the time of the month. Like, um, <laughs> and he actually, he was actually concerned for me. He was a really lovely PE teacher, but he actually like came over to me and he said, he like pulled me to the side and he said, look, Alyssa, you've been giving me these letters now for the past four weeks. I think you should probably go see a doctor. Um, I don't think you should be going through this like every single week for like four weeks. <laughs> and, and, and obviously I loved that he cared. But I was like, I just don't want to body swim. Are you joking me? <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience of PE in school, to summarise. <laughs> Overcomplicated would have been the easiest thing to say you have an allergic reaction to chlorine. <laughs> All that. I could have tried that too. <laughs> Anyways, Simon, how was your time in PE? <laughs> uh, um, I had a good time because it's the, pretty much the only thing I liked about school. Well, good for you. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, went to, I went to school to eat my lunch and um, kick a ball around at, at lunchtime and stuff. And, um, yeah, and PE was um, one of the things that I found to be quite, um, quite entertaining. But yeah, that was, that was my um, experience of it. I always really enjoyed it. 
So were you giving your maths teacher excuses not to turn up for maths? Yeah, maths definitely wasn't my strong subject. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Amen. I, 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 I tried to get out of maths all the time as well. I hated maths. I think my brain... Yeah. Sorry, it's the time. It's that time of the month. I can't attend <laughs> I don't think I got brave enough to skip school until I was probably about... I think it was the last week of, um, as a 14-year-old, which we call fourth form, you probably call it year nine, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And I thought, oh, stuff this. I really might see what bunking the school thing's about. Well, it was pretty good. <laughs> Fair enough. I've got a question for you. If you were a PE teacher, what would you teach your students about fitness? Just basically to move and enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to continue to do it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I realise that I asked you this question without the baggage of rules of the Board of Studies, without the New South Wales government giving you a series of checklists for things to do. So really, you know, the world's your oyster in this example. Yeah, yeah. You just got to move, have fun, whatever it is. If I was a PE teacher, I would be setting up lots of different activities for, for whether they be young children or teenagers. No, for the most part, uh, younger people like to be involved in games and stuff like that. So if you make it exciting and, you know, you turn it, maybe it could have an, a competition element or could just have a team element, um, then people kind of forget that they're moving and they tend to enjoy it instead of it being so militant. Mm, agreed. You know, it's funny you should mention the word militant because I found when I was in PE, I was certainly not doing that for myself. I was doing that for an institution. And that's, I think, yeah. where I lost a lot of the love for fitness that I was actually enjoying. Like, unlike you, Alyssa, I loved swimming. <laughs> I, was not, I was not giving any excuses not to be there. <laughs> and for me, it was really something that I grew out of as the competition environment, you know, was so pervasive. But without going too much into that, I think that PE has always been a very hotly contested space because no one seems to have a middle ground. They either love it or they hate it. And I think that there's so much great opportunity to do things with that class. Talk about, you know, realistic expectations about fitness. Talk about trying to achieve a desirable look that's good for yourself and not because what other people tell you. And on top of that too, I think that PE ends up just being that funny subject where you kick a ball around and occasionally get taught how to have sex with someone because that's what reproduction involves. Did <laughs> you do that in PE? Yeah, we did. We had all of our sex ed in PE. Oh, wow. And religion, science. believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have sex or you will get pregnant and die. <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, that was my experience. <laughs> I think personally with PE in schools, I think they need to reiterate the benefits of physical exercise and how fitness and, and being involved in even just outside school sports as well is also beneficial, not just for your health and fitness, but also community wise and socially as well to be a part of different sporting groups. And whether that is, you know, in a soccer team or a netball team, or I think that is actually, it is correlated to your health at the end of the day anyway, because you know, social wise, if you're not getting that in school, in a school community, you're able to, I guess, get that from whether it's an out of school sport, like on a weekend or whatever, whatever that is too. I think they do need to go into a bit more detail on, I guess, more of the, yeah, the mental effect of the fitness side of things too. And 
and how that really Im- impacts people socially as well. Agreed. Oh, so it's I huge. I think for um, I think, and that comes down to maybe it's a bit off track, but a bit of, a bit about parents because you know you as as um, Ken said before, it's just an hour or two a week at school. Um, if the parents can get their children actively involved in stuff outside of school, yeah. uh, then PE becomes a heck of a lot more interesting or enjoyable. And, and, and as um, Alyssa said, you know, you make those connections with when you make friends and groups and grow in confidence that way, which is, mm. um, I think that's great. Yeah, I'm going to add to that. I don't think this is off topic at all, actually. I think this is really important. You know, we live in an age where you go to school to really study fundamentals to work within a very capitalist environment if you will yet so many of us walk out of school aimless and clueless as to what we actually really want to do for ourselves and yet you simon have managed to create a career which would be closely tied to physical education so i think that one of the great benefits of pe at least trying to teach parents this as well is the fact that you can make a great career out of this. Sure, it may not be a 200K earning career, but the point is that it brings about success for yourself in what you can do for others. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it does. You know, it's, um, I think, it, well, for me, I can't imagine doing anything else um, at this stage of my life. It, it's a very fulfilling job. Uh, like I said um, at the start, I just never—I've always been a bit rebellious, I guess—and um, never wanted to fall into the um, the uh, system. So I guess I just kind of escaped it as much as I could. And then when I went back, when I realised I wanted some stability, I chose something that um, that I loved, you know. And I, I guess that's helped me help other people. Yeah, which I think is also a good message for students who are probably in a similar boat to you because there's probably many, many, many schoolboys and girls who don't excel in those more traditional academic fields but really have a passion for fitness and fall into that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, the, you can do it your way. There, you know, there are certain guidelines out there, there are certain things that, to an extent we may need to do but for the most part um mm. you know the the world's your oyster you don't have to uh do i don't want to say do as you're told but you you know there's many different options out there many different pathways so you should probably explore as many of them as you can and i think that way you'll um, end up somewhere that you you like being yeah agreed absolutely. yeah i think that's i think that's um a wrap a pretty much a wrap yeah um Thank you, thank you so much, Simon, for all of your input. Like, it's been absolutely amazing. We're really appreciative of your time and your knowledge. So thank you so much. And um, I have a lot of respect for, for personal trainers and people in the fitness, health and fitness industry. So keep it happening. Keep it going. It's on trend. Mm, thank Hashtag you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you very much, Simon. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this because it was really good getting you to be very real about it and also talking about the holistic nature of being a personal trainer outside of just the bro science of like, oh, I've got to look big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Ken. Awesome. For having me on. Well, that was good having Simon on board. You know, uh, it is good to have a personal trainer who is practically a therapist. Absolutely. And his name is Simon. So we do have to do what he says. And not wrong. We definitely do. That's one thing <laughs> that school, you know what? That's one thing school did teach us. 
exactly. Absolutely. Who would have have thought? So, Alyssa, what now? What now indeed? So, yeah, our next episode is actually going to be touching on mindfulness. Like, what actually is mindfulness? And, you know, how our mindset actually correlates to our actions, but how our mindset can also be changed through mindfulness. So, we'll be sort of going a little bit deeper into fixed mindset versus a growth mindset and living in the present types of mindfulness as well. I'm sorry. Can you please explain? All I heard was just mind. (laughs) Drink every time I say mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. I have to wait until the next episode now to hear all the rest of this. (laughs) Yes. Yes, you do indeed. So if anyone is looking to be more fully present or actually has no idea what mindfulness even is and is interested uh yeah stay tuned for our next episode ken where can our listeners find us well they can find us on lots of places Alyssa. they can find us now on spotify apple podcasts and we'll be coming to their feeds directly if they follow us on instagram and on youtube like and subscribe to maintain our feelings in the present but you can't find us on tinder no, we've kind of abandoned that one and all the other dating apps where we're now about embracing our single selves and being mindful in the moment. Absolutely. And before we get carried away and talk too much about the next episode, guys, have a lovely time. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.